0: In the Old West, a sign hung over a saloon. It said, don't shoot the pianist, he's doing the best he can. And someone has suggested that maybe a sign sort of like that should hang over some pulpits. A young pastor made the mistake of apologizing for preaching so long and a woman trying to encourage him said, oh, it wasn't really that long, it only seemed that way. Well, you may agree with her, When I tell you that this sermon has five points to it, but I promise to go no longer than 45 minutes an hour. I'll have you out by two. How's that? Just kidding. We do have five things to notice in this text, though. Things that apply to us as followers of Jesus, those who have accepted the invitation that Bonnie was telling us about. There are more points of interest in this chapter but those will wait till another sermon so the first thing that Jesus does in today's passage is appoint appoint one chapter earlier Jesus had called his 12 disciples and he had sent them out to do wonderful things proclaim the healing of God and to heal now chapter 10 Jesus is appointing 70 others I don't know if that's because the 12 messed up and um, somebody needed to go fix things. I don't think that was it. Um, Some versions of the Bible, like Linda, said 72. I learned that the best manuscripts from early days are equally divided on whether it was 70 or 72. It really doesn't matter that much. The point is that they knew that there were about that many nations. That's what they There were about 70 nations at the time, and so this is a foreshadowing of Jesus going beyond the Jewish neighborhoods and out into the world, as we've sung about in our hymns this morning. Appointment. When when we think of somebody being appointed, we don't usually think about it in the, the church realm. We usually think about it in the political realm. Several years ago, President Bush wrote... The success of the Bush-Cheney administration will depend on the quality appointees we choose to join us to lead this nation in the years ahead. I will look for people who are willing to work hard to do what is best for America, who examine the facts and do what is right, whether or not it is popular. I will look for people from across the country and from every walk of life I welcome all who are ready for this challenge to apply. Well, there are a couple of qualifications in there, and I wonder if Jesus had the same for the 70 he appointed. People who are willing to work hard for God's realm. People who are willing to examine the facts and do what is right, whether or not it is popular. Jesus appoints people who say we want to follow his ways to carry his mission of peace to the world. So that's point one. Jesus appoints us. And once Jesus appoints us, Jesus sends us. That's point two. In 2005, President Bush appointed who, who's our Roanoke boy that's in Romania now? Nick Taubman, um, to as ambassador to Romania. An ambassador is one who is sent out as a representative of his or her home country. So, does this ambassador live in Roanoke now? No. Does he live in Washington, D.C., where the embassies are? No. His official residence is Bucharest, Romania. He has been sent out. Like the the president appoints and sends, Jesus appoints and sends. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors for Christ. First, Jesus appoints us. Second, Jesus sends us. See, we're already through number two. Isn't that fast? We'll say more about where Jesus sends us in point four. But point three is this, that when Jesus sends us, he does not send us alone. The Lord appointed them and then sent them two by two. Jesus knows that we cannot do everything on our own. To be healthy, we need each other. We need to depend on each other because none of us can do everything well. One of the first episodes of the Andy Griffith show depicted Sheriff Andy Taylor inviting his spinster Aunt B to come and live with him and Opie. Any of you remember this? I know we've got some Andy Griffith fans out there he thought that she would be the, you know, missing feminine aspect to to the home since his wife had died. But Opie, at maybe five or six, is not too pleased about this quote-unquote replacement for his mother. Andy tries to ameliorate the situation by inviting Aunt B to go fishing and frog catching with them so that Opie can become attached to her. Well, she fails miserably at fishing and at frogging and later at football. And so finally, late at night, after Opie is in bed, Aunt B convinces Andy to take her to the bus station because she needs to leave. Opie hears her crying beneath his window, and he guesses that that's what's happening. And so he runs down the stairs and runs outside and he says, We can't let her go, Pa. She needs us. She can't even catch frogs or take a fish off the hook or throw a football. We've got to take care of her or she'll never make it. Now that's three people and not two. I I can count. Jesus sent people out two by two. But I do believe that Jesus is always that unseen third helper when two people are doing God's work. Jesus appoints us, Jesus sends us to work together. Think about an older couple who complement each other as a pair. You know, one might have the eyes while the other has the memory. Or today, Mark plays the organ really well, and Nick sings really well, but look what happens when God pulls them together. It's powerful. We need never be alone on our journeys. Paul calls us the body of Christ. When we work together, we do the work well. Jesus appoints us. Jesus sends us. To work together. That's point three. Now where Jesus sends us is point four. Jesus sends us to every town and place where he is about to go. Wherever we go, we are preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Now in most of the places that you and I go, people have heard about Jesus. Somewhere along the way, the seeds have been planted. But the laborers, Jesus tells us, have not been out into the field for the harvest, to close the deal, as Tony Campolo would put it. Sometimes we're just standing around and watching the fields grow, maybe praying for rain, maybe throwing some money in the offering plate to pay for someone else to go do the harvesting. Now, while these are important jobs for some and the expected jobs for some, they are not the only jobs for the church. We need to do some of the harvesting, too, D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist in the late 19th century. And one time, a woman criticized Moody for his methods of evangelism in attempting to win people over to God. Moody replied, I agree with you. I don't like the way I do it either. Tell me, how do you do it? She said, I don't do it. And Moody responded, then I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Jesus appoints us and sends us to labor together in the harvest fields, and everywhere we go is a harvest field. That's point four. Point five, how am I doing? I saw that. Okay, well, thanks. Thanks. Point five may be the most important when Jesus answers the question, Why? Why does he tell us to go out into the world with no weapons, with no extra physical resources, as small, helpless lambs surrounded by a pack of snarling wolves? Why? He's crazy. Well, he's God. God needs us. God needs us to carry the gospel of peace into a world which is not at peace. This morning, on the way to church, my daughter Lauren, two and a half, asks, "Why God doesn't have hands?" Well, how would you answer that? Thank you, Arlene. He has our hands. We are God's hands. We are God's hands. God needs us. We are God's feet to carry the gospel of peace into a world which is not at peace. And even though Jesus gave divine peace to us, his followers, many churchgoers have not claimed Jesus' divine peace as our own. We look everywhere except the right place to find peace. Some think war will help us find peace. Athletes think they'll find peace when they reach the top of their game. But then there's the pressure to stay at the top of their game, even if it includes using illegal drugs. Sometimes I think I'm looking for peace in trying to read the right book or the right article. Some hope to find peace by making other people happy. At last week's variety show, Colette and Claire Riddle sang, The grass is always greener. It's as if we believe that acquiring something new or acquiring someone new will give us true peace. But when you think about it, really, will... A new skill, or a new piece of art, or a new roommate give us peace? I mentioned D.L. Moody a little bit ago. During revivals in New York City, a pickpocket entered the meeting for the express purpose of relieving a gentleman of his watch and chain. He was not long in doing that but once he found that once he got in there he couldn't get back out because the house was so packed. And so he was forced to stay and listen to what Moody was preaching about. And after that he decided to stay for the inquiry portion of the evening and at that point he accepted Christ as his personal savior. The next day The door of the parsonage of this, the doorbell of the parsonage of this church was rung, and when the servant answered, she found no one standing there, but tied to the doorknob was a package. When it was opened, it was found to contain that gold watch and the chain, and with it a note stating the facts and asking that it be returned to the owner, which was done. And the thief even gave his name and address, but asked that he might be forgiven as God had forgiven him. This man had been searching for peace, but he had been looking in the wrong places. When he learned from a follower of Jesus Christ that deep peace was found only in God, he knew he had to change his life. He had to make amends. So, where are you looking for peace? Where are you looking for peace? In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, A car is made to run on petrol, gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human being to run on himself. God himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our, de- our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Once we know that peace only comes from God, we can more freely leave behind our weapons, the material things which we have acquired even our desires for the greener grass on the other side of the fence. Perhaps again, we realize that what we really need is God and God's peace. Now, when others see that peace in us, we hope that they will want it too. And that's why. Why? We have been sent out to a world where people are at war with each other and some of us are at war with ourselves. So if it's not in our words, if we're not D.L. Moody's, then let it at least be in our attitudes. Peace. Peace to this house. Peace to this family. Peace to this sad and wandering soul. Peace to this office. Peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Now Jesus tells us that some will reject this peace. Can you see it? Shake the dust off your feet. That's their choice. And Jesus tells us to move on. But we find that our own peace deepens when we carry to our restless world the attitude of Christ that is in these words of St. Augustine. Excuse me. Our heart is restless, O Lord, until it finds rest in you. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. We have been appointed we have been sent with a helper to our world to share the peace of Christ like those first 70 we will come back with amazing stories of success and joy and peace as well and so now as we prepare to go on our way Jesus says ask Send and go. Let's pray. Hear our prayer, O God, that we would have your courage and peace to go as Jesus has sent us and share your love and peace with a world who needs you. In his name we pray. Amen.